Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, that's a, that's a powerful song with powerful words that uh, I pray would, uh, would truly pierce our hearts because that song tells us that uh, uh, we have something to pay uh, and, and we can't pay, uh, but you have. And you said it is finished on the cross. Uh, so I pray for all of us that uh, we would see ourselves uh, not um, with the gifts that you have given us, but that there is a void in our life uh, that uh, money, success, social status, family, uh, whatever blankety-blank is, uh, cannot fill. Uh, but you can, and you did on the cross. Your wounds have paid our ransom. Uh, may we know that, may we believe it, may we receive it, may we be baptized in it uh, individually, together. God, pour out your spirits even more upon us right now. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Y'all can have a seat. And uh, it is beautiful. Uh, my wife said as we were standing there, it's beautiful uh, hearing them all sing together. Give them a hand, please. Uh, I know it's like, uh, you know, I'm always conflicted. I mean, we, we give thanks to the Lord, but they take time. They learn the songs, they pray over the songs, so I just appreciate uh, them. Hey, turn to Acts 16, uh, Acts chapter 16, that's what we'll be reading from uh, this morning. Uh, I'm going to be starting at verse 13, uh, so Acts chapter 16. As you're, as you're flipping through there, uh, let me say again, 2015, uh, for us as a church, our theme is Rise with God. Uh, it's connected to our mission of raising leaders that we believe uh, you need, we need a deeper relationship with Christ. And so everything we're going to be doing, our focus this year is all about Rise with God. We're starting off this year with this month of prayer uh, to pray for uh, very specific things. Uh, last Sunday, we prayed for uh, our church, uh, Bellwether. I mean, we believe in the larger church, but uh, first Sunday of New Year, we wanted to pray for our church. Today, the focus is prayer for baptisms. Uh, I say that, you know, we were blessed to have many baptisms uh, last year, and we want many more this year. And when I say baptisms, that is not just uh, the, the symbol of what we see, and we'll see it in two weeks' time, but a baptism of the heart that then we will celebrate publicly. And so my prayer is that people would see their need for Jesus, they would repent, uh, they would receive him, and we would celebrate. And, and I love saying this, and God kind of put this phrase in my heart a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, repentance, uh, we often hear that as a very bad word, I, or I did at least. You know, repentance means like, you know, well, then I got to admit, you know, I stole or I cheated or I got pride or there's lust in my heart. I got to, you know, repent. Ouch, man, that's painful. Here's the other. Repentance leads to revival. Let me say that again. You're going to hear this, that over and over this year. Repentance leads to revival. See, what happens is when you repent, you're saying, God, I can't do it on my own. And then God fills you, and you're revived. Because if you can't do it on your own, then something's got to get in there, and we believe it's God, and you are revived. So before, like, revival can happen for a life, for a church, for a city, there's got to be repentance. You've got to say, God, I need you in this specifically. I need you in this generally it leads to revival. Repentance leads to revival. So we're going to pray today that there would be more baptisms in the life of this church. 
and we're going to see a couple different baptisms uh, in this passage. Uh, now, before I get into this, let me say this. You're going to see three different people who are saved three different ways. And I chose this passage because all of us here are different people. Uh, I mean, we have uh, different looks, different gifts, uh, different ways of thinking. Uh, everybody is unique. We're different. So we also have different stories, like different stories of life, uh, different stories of relationships. Uh, you just saw Will and Kendall. I mean, their story together is just the beginning. Their stories of family is just beginning. All of us have different stories. And we are uh, saved, let me say this, in different ways. You're like, what do you mean by that? Well, hey, there's one way to be saved, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he works in different ways to save us, as we will see in this passage. So uh, enough for me. Let's read uh, the Bible, uh, verse 13. And I'm going to read through kind of a longer passage, verse uh, 34. It says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined and attacked them, and the magistrate tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that they had believed 
in God. Thanks for following with me in that passage. Three people, Lydia, a slave girl, and the jailer. They all meet Christ. They all meet him in different ways. Let's start with Lydia. Now, before we start with Lydia, let's really start uh, with us. I'm going to come down this morning. Uh, We'll talk uh, more face-to-face. You may try to avert my eyes. I may try to avert your eyes. So we'll see about that. Anyway, (laughs) Lydia, uh, well, who uh, kind of learned Christianity growing up as uh, do's and don'ts? You know, uh, yeah, there you go. I I did, or, you know, it it sounded like I did. You know, don't uh, smoke, drink, have premarital sex. I mean, that was pretty much uh, the don'ts that got uh, pounded into me. It didn't work, let me just say that. uh, But, not to get too honest, but it didn't work. And, you know, the do's, come to church, read your Bible, like we've already said today. You know, do this, and, and you'll be a Christian. I mean, how many of us learn Christianity like that? I mean... I did. A lot of us did, okay? And then also, um, uh, you know, who of us, uh, well, this is kind of a tough question to say. Uh, who, and if you did, I, I, you know, don't raise your hand, but like who had to like struggle for a meal this weekend? Anybody? I mean, I hope not. So uh, most of us uh, didn't have to struggle for a meal. Uh, any of us have to struggle for a place to sleep? Um, most of us, I think, did not. Uh, most of us uh, can uh, generally, let me say, make our ends meet, got, got a home. I say all that because, and you may have heard it before, and I'm not trying to do a guilt trip on all of us, but, but all of us are the 2%. We're the 2% in the world that, that we have uh, much. We have more than we can uh, really, uh, really imagine compared to you know, people who uh, live in what looks like a cave in Honduras or babies that sleep you know, in dirt and mire on the street uh, in India uh, that some of us have seen. And you take that you know, all across the world, and that's the reality. So all of us really are rich, even if you're like, dude, I'm not rich, dude, I want to be rich. I mean, I, I get you, brother, sister, but, but all of us uh, really have. I say that, Christianity is do's and don'ts, and we all have, because that's how Lydia was, first off. Uh, Lydia, and she really was wealthy, biblical scholars think that, but she learned faith, uh, her religion, as a series of do's and don'ts. Do this and don't do this and you'll be good. You'll be good. So Lydia, if you can imagine, she was the, uh, or she is today, uh, she's the wealthy businesswoman who is the good citizen and who has also like become, you know, chairman of the board of some prestigious board. I mean, she's good. She's an honorable person. And yet, and yet there's a void in her life. And yet she needs it. Yet she's saved. She's saved. So like to me, like, you know, I mean, be honest, if I wasn't a Christian, that wouldn't really make sense to me. Not at all. Uh, and this is not, by the way, this is in Philippi, which is in Europe, okay? And so it's more well-to-do. It's not like Israel. It's, it's not as poor. So they're kind of living a, a good life. And, and Lydia would probably, you know, if she were here today, uh, you know, she would probably have the second home in, I don't know, Seaside or Rosemary, uh, and probably the other second home or third home, Oxford or Starkville. I'm not going to say which one, you know, we would choose. But she had, I mean, that's, that's her deal. And she's like, she's succeeded. And yet she needs something. There is a void. Part of what I really want this church to be about, and um, 
honestly, my teaching, because I've had to be reprogrammed in Christianity, is so often uh, we learn Christianity, you know, do's and don'ts, and hey, you know, the real idol is like having the successful life. You know, being asked to be chairman of that board and, and being wealthy in the second and the third home. And that's, that's our heaven, you know? Yet there is a void here. Uh, you know, I heard a, another pastor say it like this. If, if you don't think you have a void in your life, then ask yourself the question, why do you do the good that you do? Let's say that again. Why do you do the good that you do? Let me answer that, not for y'all, but for me. Uh, why do I do the good that I do? Why do I uh, try to be like a good pastor? Well, I mean, I want to be known, you know, good by, by y'all or by some of y'all. Uh, at least, um, or in the community as a good pastor, I want to be a good, well, why do I have to do that? You know, I'd say, why? Well, I want to be, you know, I want to be good. Why do I, you know, want to be, even though I often fail to be, uh, like a good husband? Well, I want to be known as a good husband. You know, I want people to know me that way. Or I, why do I be a good dad? Well, I want to be known by my children as a good father. Well, what, there's this void in me that, like, you know, can't be filled by, by the good that I do and will always be there. It's sin, and it needs to be filled by Jesus. And so Lydia, get this, she sees this, and she's saved by reasoning. I'm talking about different ways of being saved, okay? And Paul talks to her, and it's just like having a conversation. And so he would have said probably something like this. You know, you believe in Abraham, and you believe in the Old Testament, and, you know, from Abraham uh, to Moses to the prophets, they were all pointing to the real sacrificial lamb, Jesus. And she gets it. and Because it, it says, the Lord opened up her heart. The Lord opened up her heart. I said this in earlier. God acts first. The Lord opened up her heart to pay attention. And what's fascinating is uh, the literal Greek word that pay attention is to receive. She, she received it. You, you got to receive it. The Lord opened up her heart to receive what was said by Paul. And she was baptized. This wealthy woman, uh, this do-gooder, who's desperately in need, was saved. By, by reason, uh, her mind started figuring it out. And essentially, her mind went to her heart. See that? And God works both ways. Sometimes, he'll take our minds and let the gospel flow from our minds to our hearts. And other times, he'll take the gospel from our, our hearts and let it flow to our minds. Like, you'll believe and you'll have faith first. Like, hey, I want to know. And the power of the gospel that has invaded the heart will grow into our, our minds. It can work in so many ways. He saves by so many different ways. Let's see the next person, the slave girl. Polar opposite of Lydia. Polar opposite, like, well, how, how so? Well, if Lydia was the chairwoman, chairperson, of the board and wealthy, the slave girl would probably be like an addict, a uh, prostitute, uh, someone that, you know, we have tried to work uh, rescuing from sex trafficking. Uh, she would be that type, okay? So you don't have to put your hands up, but, you know, who amongst us has struggled with, you know, addictions? Uh, the power of addictions that we can be like in bondage and in chains. Uh, this was her. This was the slave girl. And addictions are very real. You know, whether it's alcohol uh, or porn, uh, lust, uh, addictions of approval. Addictions be a lot more subtle. You know, like I want to be liked 
I want to be in this group. I want to be in this social club. Addictions can put us into bondage, and we can be in chains. You know, I'll never forget uh, this last trip to Honduras. They're always powerful, but the last trip to Honduras, and I, I shared about this, but we, we met, or we went, and we delivered food bags in this one neighborhood, and our guide said, you know, Pastor, you know, this is a very dark place. I mean, they really think there's a lot of possession, as in like demonic possession uh, here, and I was like, well, what goes on? And there was a soccer field, and she said, you know, I cannot speak of the things that are done on that field uh, at night. And so, anyway, we went house to house, and we came to this one house, and there was a young boy who was chained, you know. Seen a lot uh, in my life, never seen a human being chained in their home, I mean, like a dog, was chained. Uh, and they believed that he was possessed. And we prayed over him, and, you know, hopefully, God willing, we'll come back and Check on them, but, but anyway, that's it's reality. In some cultures, that's what you know. That's that's their belief. Now, we can be in chains and in bondage by addictions, and so here, the salvation, the baptism by Christ is different. It is a power deal. Now, it's always the power of God. Power of God saves. But here, I mean, it's explicitly Paul turns and says, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. The power of God breaks the chains, breaks the bondage, and she's healed. So just as I believe, and some of you believe, and I would love all of you believe, that God can work through the mind to the heart and the heart to the mind, He can also work in the power where people are healed, physically, spiritually, socially. Because here, the other thing that happens is she is out of bondage spiritually and socially. She's released from her master's. And the church, I think it's an important lesson for the church. The church, too, should work for the spiritual life and well-being and also socially. It's why we are devoted to this ministry in India to help many churches and many organizations in sex trafficking. Uh, the church needs to be the light of the world to heal, to proclaim, and to also uh, break the chains of bondage and addictions. And, you know, from AA groups meeting here uh, to one-on-one relationships of people in addictions, that's the church. And you see this in the slave girl. You see the power of God. Also, again, saved in a very explicit, some, some of us, it's the type we like the most, you know, and come out of her, and she is saved. Let me give you one other uh, lady. My wife and I really like her. My wife um, put me on to her. We're trying to get her here to speak in Jackson. She is, um, she's booked all around the country. Her name is Rosario Butterfield. Uh, Interesting name. She's Italian, Rosario Butterfield. We're, brief story about this. You should Google her. She speaks all over. She was uh, a, a, a lesbian uh, professor of uh, feminism and queer theory, okay? Pretty radical there at Syracuse. Uh, and very, like, you know, left wing, you know, pro, you know, lesbian, bi, you know, the whole deal. I mean, I heard just this morning of now pansexual, that's the new word. I mean, she was into all this stuff. And the power of God, the reason she's speaking all over now, now she's, act, she's actually a pastor's wife. Uh, so she has moved from gay to heterosexual. They have a family, uh, and she is speaking openly about her conversion from the power of God, from this way of living. And I'll probably get in trouble saying this, you know, today, this story. But moving to this way of living... And she says, you know, it's the power of God. 
And she said, I believe in a higher authority than like what the world says, that being higher authority of God given and revealed to us in the Bible. And that's her authority. Now, how did that change happen? I'll tell you later in the sermon, just as we close up. But the power of God changed her. From, again, let me get this. Feminist, lesbian, taught queer theory at a university. So, like, you know, she, she, was, the, she was the lady that protested at, uh, you know, at evangelical events in town. And now she is, I mean, conservative, evangel- you know, pastor's wife, born again, baptized in Jesus, Hallelujah. power of God did that. Can do that. Last guy going through here. He had the slave girl. There's one other person, the jailer. And he's saved again in a different way. See, with Lydia, it was reason from the mind to the heart. With the slave girl, it was the power. With the jailer, it's an example. And this is like uh, some of us too. Some of us, uh, some of us have been burned so bad uh, by the church. Uh, some of us have been burned so bad uh, by Christians we don't want to hear anything. You certainly, if you're here today, you, you probably, you're like, man, when are you going to stop? Okay, because, you know, if, if you're in that kind of mindset, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to see it. You know, I, one of my uh, students uh, that I teach, he came up to me this week, and he's like, man, you know, two big issues with Christianity, bro. And I was like, it hit me. He's like, one, you know, my grandparents are so rule-oriented uh, that they just turned me off. I mean, it's all about do's and don'ts, and uh, they're just so strict. And then he's like, what about this grace deal? I mean, you know, people who say they're, they're Christians and then they just go off, you know, and these are other students, high school, and they just go off and drink and party and they say, oh, well, let me, you know, let me go to church or church camp and, hey, I'm forgiven. They just do it again. What's this grace deal? I don't understand that. You know, for this young man, I mean, he, is, he is not seeing a Christian life. He's not. And for this jailer, jailer, you know, he's like blue collar, soldier, uh, believes in his work. His work gives him honor, and he's probably, you know, like a lot of us that are like just kind of apathetic towards the church. You're like, oh man, you know, you know, I'm just coming because I don't know, you know, my wife invited me, or you know, I got to come for a family deal at church, or you know, I'm just kind of, you know, my work brings me life and honor, and you know, Christians hypocrites, blah 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 blah. You know, same. I mean, y'all y'all heard that? I mean, amen. I mean, I, I mean, I hear that. Amen. So the jailer, that's that's. Who he is. And he sees something different. All right, what does he see? Paul and Silas? Yes. But look at what happens to Paul and Silas. I mean, look at this. Okay, first off, they are beaten by rods. Uh, so not a good deal. Beaten by rods. Then he, the jailer, puts uh, their feet in stocks. Uh, probably pretty painful, too. You know, it's like, you know, uh, a lot worse than wearing, you know, a shoe that's, you know, three times too small. I mean, you know, locked together, braced. So they're beaten thrown in jail, you know, in chains, and they are singing and praying. Verse 29, they're singing and praying to God. So, Joe, what's the deal with this? You're beaten down, locked up, singing and praying. So they see joy in the middle of physical suffering. Joy. The other thing he sees is no fear. Then an earthquake happens. Anybody ever gone through an earthquake? I have not. Anybody gone through an earthquake? couple have. Is it scary? <laughs> Zach's like, kind of. Okay, I don't want to ask him the wrong person. I mean, I would be, you know, earthquake, you know. Sorry, you just totally blew my point. I'd be scared. I'd be scared. Um, but yet Paul and Silas, they have no fear. 
Let's just pretend it was like a major earthquake. Well, I mean, it broke him out of prison, so that'd be pretty powerful. But no fear. No fear. But then the last thing, here's what you need to see in this passage, which just reading it, you know, you got to kind of go deeper. You got to get the backstory. Okay, if Paul and Silas escape, the jailer's executed. This is Roman law, Roman soldier, you know, honor. So if they leave, if they bail, jailer dies. And also he's got a family, as it says. He, he's killed. So in honor, he's about to kill himself. And get this, okay? See this. Paul and Silas do not run. They know this too. I mean, Paul's a Roman citizen. They stay. They even say, well, no, wait, don't do this. We are all here. See, these are words you can miss out in Scripture. We are all here. We are not running. Hang tight. So, I mean, it is like the turning of the cheek, doing good to someone who does ill of you. Jailer had overseen their beating, put them in stocks, thrown them in jail. You know, they could easily, like, you know, run, like, you know, God saved us, you know. We'll be seeing you no more, you know. You could say, have fun in hell, you know. I mean, get as literal as you want to be. They stayed. And he asked, I mean, I, and I believe... I believe after seeing something so different, seeing people who had great joy in the midst of profound suffering, who had no fear and who loved him, regardless of the ill that he had shown them, it's like, I want this. And some folks have to see it. Some folks have to see it. Go back to this lady, Rosaria Butterfield, you're... You know, I mentioned to her the power of God saved her, but what was the method? Well, she says in her testimony that a pastor uh, began, because she was protesting so much and so vocal, so anti-Christian, you know, that Christians were like, you know, freaks, conservative, you know, just scumbags, you know, blah, 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 you know, stupid, she even said. And this pastor started writing her, uh, very kind, and said, you know, I'd like to just, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, and out of kind conversation and, and an interest in the other, which, you know, our, our theme verse, you know, John ten sixteen, Jesus said, there are others. We want to be an other-driven church because we serve an other-driven God. She saw something different in that Christian pastor, uh, and she was saved, converted, and life change came about. Now, let me close up. What, is, what can all this tell us? Three people, three different ways of baptism. It, it can tell us, first off, the gospel, the good news, is for all. It's for everyone. It's, you may be here, and I see this a lot. A lot of people carry such shame, or like, you know, I could never be a leader for Christ, or, you know, God wouldn't accept me. It is for everyone. Slave girl, jailer. Wealthy, good citizen. It's for everyone. Everyone. Different races, different classes, different backgrounds. There are no accidents in Christianity, and it's for, for all. It also shows, it shows that not only are we all, all different, even though it's for us all, we are united. Uh, we have unity. Uh, I stress this in the church because it's hard. But if you see one another... In the, in the lens, in, the, in like literally the glass of the baptism of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, then it changes how you look at a person, how, how you see your church family, how you see the world, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're united 
in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done. So what this shows, it's for everyone, different people, but they are all these different people, Lydia, slave girl, jailer, united in Jesus. They're saved in different ways by the way, the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the third thing. The third thing we know is that we're saved by Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But the way uses different ways to lead us to him. For some, it, it is the mind flows to the heart and leads us to Jesus. Others, it's just the power, spiritual manifestation, God's power. Others, it's an example. I love uh, John 11. You should, you should read John 11 maybe this afternoon if you're not watching football or sometime this week. John 11 is about Lazarus uh, raising. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And that's the main uh, story, but there are two things that you can miss. That's what I love about the Bible. You can miss so much, okay? Martha and Mary come to Jesus, and he has two responses, two different responses. Martha comes and says, you know, if you'd have just gotten here earlier, you'd have saved Lazarus. And Jesus has a, a power response to her. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. It was power, resurrection. Then Mary comes, and she's so upset that Jesus weeps with her. Scripture says Jesus was deeply troubled in his spirit. Then, uh, the shortest verse in the Bible right after that, uh, is John eleven thirty three and 35, Jesus wept. See what I'm saying? There are different ways that Jesus comes to us. Some it's power, what Martha needed here. Some it's empathy. And Mary's saying, man, he's, he's weeping with me. He's there with me. The power of the gospel uses so many different ways to come to us. So I'd close by saying this. We want to pray today as we come forward. We want to pray for baptism. So I'd ask you first to pray for yourself. We want to get personal. Take some time and get personal with God. You're like, well, what does that mean? Well, sometimes you need to listen, but it does mean confession. It means saying, Lord, I need you here. Uh, I need you in this area of my life. I need you for uh, this addiction. Uh, I need you for this pride. I need you for my marriage. Lord, uh, I am broken and I can't pick up the pieces, so you need to do some confessing. Uh, you need to do some soul searching about, uh, you know, it, Spell it out. If you're saved, uh, if God's leading you, and He is, to salvation, because you're here, and what you're going to do about it? Pray for your own baptism. And if you've been baptized, uh, then pray, Lord, renew my heart daily. Because I want to be baptized by your Spirit over and over and over again. So even if you're here like, man, done that, walked down the aisle, got it. Well, it's for you too. It's for me too. Baptize me again, O oh Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Make me new. And then last, pray for our church family that we would see God work in so many different ways uh, from a conversation one of you might have with someone else uh, to uh, someone that someone else sees uh, in you or uh, maybe in your family or in your group or uh, in a mission trip, but that different people would be led in different ways to Jesus through this church family. So I'm asking us to pray together. Pray for yourself, whether you are, quote, saved or not saved, that you'd come to repentance. Because we all got to repent, and that leads to revival. And pray for this church uh, that many would come to 
to repentance and be saved and be revived. Let's start right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for and just your, your word and, and your gospel that can speak uh, to us uh, 2,000 years later in so many different ways. Thank you for these people that you led them here. Thank you for their lives, if there are no accidents. Now speak to them uh, now. You are talking to them. Break down the bears of their heart, the thoughts that they have, that they would hear and receive what you say. In Jesus' name, amen.